You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. Well, let's have some fun today, huh? They let me have the mic again. We'll see. We'll see if I get it taken away after this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're so great. So great. Um, yeah, well, it's good to be with you all today, Sunday. Yay. Um, and we're going to see where we go today. I have like a whole, it feels like a whole novel of notes, and that's never a good way to start a sermon. Um, so, because you, you can't, I can't keep you all day. So, I don't want to keep you all day. So, we'll see where we go. But I, I just felt like the Lord wants us to kind of talk about life today, like a good life talk. I think sometimes in church we we talk a lot about the goodness of God, the supernatural aspect of God. All these things are really, really good. But I feel like, you know, we've been working with students and pastoring for, gosh, like a long, long time. And I think what I'm noticing more and more in the church and in Christianity is people don't necessarily know how to deal with the, the hard parts of life and navigate Christianity. Does that make sense? Like we, we, when we focus so much, and I'm not going to, this is not going to be a downer message, so don't, get, don't be like, oh, my God, why did I come today? Lord, help me. <laughs> we are, let's just say this, as a society, as a culture, we are much more comfortable talking about the goodness of God and the joy of the Lord which is all great things. That's the, that's the strength. That's what gets us through, right? But we have to know how to utilize it to get through because sometimes there's going to be stuff you have to get through, right? But when we don't know how to talk about this in, in church, then sometimes, or even in community, sometimes when we have a hard time, we feel ostracized or we don't know, or, or, or we feel um, abandoned and we don't know how to navigate these things. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of that, some of our journey. Um, and so I don't, usually, I don't usually give titles to my sermons or anything like that. But today, my sermon title is that we have a when hell freezes over type of God. This is the type of God we serve, right? We, he's not afraid of our situations where we're like, I will never do that again, or I have so much pain that that's never going to be a situation I put myself in, or I'm never going back there. I mean, we've had two different times we've been like, we're never going back, and then we've moved across the country, we're never going back, and oh, now we're, well, we're back. So, you know, we can say it, we can, we can put those things out there, but if we're really truly surrendering ourselves to the Lord, He's not afraid of those areas of our life, and he's so gracious and kind to bring us through painful things and bring us out in a triumphant way, right? And so um, so I think we just need to talk about what does having victory and redemption with God look like? Um, I think as, as a people, as a society, not just in the church but outside the church, we really try to avoid painful things, um, we kind of, I think it's getting worse. I mean, I think the more and more we go on, we just try to avoid any type of thing that's uncomfortable um, as a society. Oh, you're uncomfortable with that? Don't put yourself in that situation. Um, but God is, like, not afraid of those things. 
right? And so why is, as, as, a, as a society, we're, we're kind of this microwave, instant gratification, want to feel better, pop a pill, it's all good type of world right now. And that isn't how God is. God's like, I'm gonna, I want in there. I want right in the middle of that, and I want to bring redemption. And I think redemption, sometimes we think redemption is like, oh, it doesn't hurt anymore, so it's redeemed. Or, oh, it's, it's all good. I'm not, I'm not tormented by that fear. Or I'm not, and that is, a, that is a part of redemption. But redemption actually looks like Isaiah 61. And I know I've talked about this before, but it is really one of my favorite scriptures. Isaiah, Isaiah 61, 7. Let's, we can turn there together. We'll start out on a high note. Hopefully we'll go from glory to glory there. But we are going to be talking about some, some things. So that's okay, though. Isaiah 61, this is, this is the, a pro- prophecy about us. This is a prophecy about the glorious church after Jesus comes and redeems and sets free, which he has. He paid that on the cross. Yeah, can we all agree? So this is our portion. Um, and I love Isaiah 61. It just gets me really jazzed up. It starts out, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. This is, a, this is a victorious church here they're talking about. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. I just want to put a pin right there. If we're afraid of pain... If we're afraid of devastation, if we're afraid of things needing to get fixed, how are we going to rebuild any of this stuff? How are we going to restore any of this stuff? If we're not even, we don't want to look there, we don't want to see it, we don't want to acknowledge it. Who get me preaching? Okay, so let's go down. Strangers will stand in the pastures of your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations and the riches, and in their riches you will boast. Okay, seven. Here we go. We made it. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. They and instead of humiliation, they'll shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. Um, let me get to it on my notes. Like I said, I have a boat of notes here. Boatload of notes. Okay. Okay. That, that word shame. That word shame is another word for disgrace, confusion, dishonor, reproach, and shame. So keep that in mind as you look, as we're talking about life, as we're talking about areas of pain, as we're talking about, um, you know, things that you've walked through, that we've walked through. Um, because those areas, 
God wants you to rejoice in those areas. That word rejoice, <laughs> that, re- that word rejoice, this cracks me up. Because when I looked it up, when I actually broke it down, I'm like, okay, Lord. So those areas that have been so painful, right? So much dishonor, so much shame. I don't want to look at that. Shame is like, I don't even want to acknowledge it, right? Those are those areas that God wants to bring you a double portion. And when you rejoice, it, that word looks like shouting aloud, dancing, screaming, joy coming out of you. Like, and I was thinking about that as I was reading this because God has done so much in our lives and we've had so many things that I feel like he's restored or in the process of restoring. But I don't know that I've ever gotten to the place where I'm shouting aloud dancing and screaming over a place that I've been so hurt and wounded, that I've been so much shame, so much dishonor, where I've been like, yes, public public displays of of glory, that I'm just going to make a scene over this area that I didn't even want to talk about. Anybody? Anybody in that place where you're like, I don't even want to look at it. Oh, no, God's going to make it to a place where I'm going to, well, speak about it on a Sunday in front of everybody. This is great. But that word double portion, it's talking, about an, it's talking about land. It's talking about an area you possess. So these are, this is what the Lord's promise, this is what redemption looks like, that you would actually go from a place where you're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at it. I'm so wounded. I don't ever want to go there again to actually I'm going to extent your area of influence in this, this area. It's, it's a really beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. So when we, let's just go back a little bit. Um, We'll talk a little, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, our story coming back to Georgia. Um, But really, I just feel like the Lord has been, before I get into that, I feel like the Lord has been hovering over these areas in my my life. And, um, And I feel like I've seen, I've been, we've been walking with people for, few years, and really the, the last few years, we really walked through a lot of pain with people. Um, we had, we were working in a, a school of ministry, it was a full-time school, and it was a school of discipleship, so mainly people would go there because they weren't necessarily ready to go to Bethel Reading, so they try, they apply for Bethel Reading, um, and Bethel Reading go, you know, you have some stuff you need to walk through, um, we're going to send you to this other school, and they're going to help you, kind of pastor you through this disciples, where they're going to disciple you. Um, And it was such a beautiful, hard, crazy, wonderful thing to to be a part of because, um, you know, (laughs) sorry, I'm so distracted because you're talking. Um, My youth pastor days just came out right there. (laughs) Sorry, honey, didn't mean to embarrass you. Um, so it was a beautiful thing to be able to walk through pain with people on such a deep level. Um, you know, there, there were, there were all kinds of different students with all different stories. And I think one of the most beautiful things, um, that I got to see in the heart of God was to just sit there and watch God meet people in the middle of their pain. Um, the thing that, people had been, you know, these students had been responding to, maybe blowing up their lives over, maybe couldn't get over. Um, and not all of this pain was, you know, a lot of it wasn't their fault. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the things that had happened to these students were um, 
you know, they were abused by, by parents, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, pastors. Um, you know, there was just the craziest stories that I'd ever heard um, sitting w- in front of me. And for me to be able to be a safe place for, I mean, Scott did the same thing so many different times, so many stories. I mean, we, we, we can't tell you the stories, but so many stories about God meeting people in the middle of just real pain, like real hardship, um, and watching freedom come, watching restoration come, watching them be able to see, like, how for them God is. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, you know, the last four or five years, we've just gotten really comfortable talking about pain, talking about those places that we try to hide from people. Um, And at the same time, you know, going deeper into some of our own pain. When we came out of, you know, um, when we moved from Georgia, like we left pretty much with all of our dreams burning in ashes behind us. You know, we had so many, such a heart for this place. We loved Georgia so much. We had so many good relationships. I remember, I think I cried all the way to Alabama in the, in the um, U-Haul. And it was just, just devastating to, to leave and to feel like, I mean, we did feel like God was opening us a door for us to go back to Humboldt, which is a place we never said we'd go. We were never going back there again. Um, Cause we had worked there for six years before we moved here. Um, and the thing about Humboldt, both times we've lived there, it has been life changing equipping just you're in the trenches you're in the they call it the redwood curtain because it's just like an island redwoods are all growing around it and it's just very hard to get to and once you're there it's very hard to leave um but god does some interesting equipping things there and so we just got really familiar with god being comfortable talking about things that we didn't want to talk about whether that was to us whether that was to people um and it was a really, it's a really, really beautiful thing. And so this, in this season, in the last year that we've been here, I just can feel the Lord hovering over areas, um, you know, mindsets, uh, areas of, that, that you maybe avoid, I maybe avoid pain in or fears or different things. And I just feel him hovering there and he's just asking questions all the time. So, you know, um, I can't remember whether it was just like maybe a month ago, I'm praying and I'm talking to the Lord. My prayer looks like, my prayer life looks like I'm talking, I'm communing with the Lord back and forth. Sometimes I'm venting, sometimes I'm listening, sometimes he's asking me questions and I'm like, oh, that's really something I don't want to think about or whatever. Um, but there was something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically the Lord was like, do you trust me? And it, But it was about an area of pain and I'm like, no, not here. I don't feel like I can't trust you. Like, I feel like I got hurt. And he's like, well, let's actually talk about it, though. Like, are you still here? Like, what's that, that, that shirt that said, but did you die? <laughs> but did you die? No, are you still here? Did it, did it actually, what actually did it cost you? And, what, and will you give up your judgments or your fears or your never-agains to trust me that I, that I did get you through that. I did get you through that. Like, you are still here. And, and just inviting me into that eternity mindset of, like, you're actually living for an eternal place. You're actually living unto me. And so all of the things that you do to try to protect yourself from getting hurt again, they're not productive. 
because you're, you're actually living for a, a past thing instead of letting go. And so God's just been really like, we've gotten really comfortable talking about pain. We've gotten comfortable looking at pain, acknowledging pain, and now just even more in the mindsets of what we do to protect ourselves. I feel the Lord just hovering. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. When we left Georgia, um, we said we'd never come back. Uh, and, and I meant it. I remember one time we had a student, I can't remember, it might have been your guys' class, we had a student ask me, I don't even know why they asked me. I was telling a story about something that happened when we were living in Georgia or something, and they asked, somebody raised their hand and asked me a question. Yeah, what's, what's your question? Will you ever go back to Georgia? And I said, absolutely not. Was that your class? Were you guys there? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yes. Will you ever go back? Absolutely not. I didn't even think about it. Absolutely not. And the Lord was like, really? And I was just like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not listening to you. And then the Olivers come for a visit. I should have known the fact that they wanted to come all the way to the coast to see us, that there was something happening in their hearts. But they come to the coast. We have a great time. We're seeing magical sunsets. We're going on all these awesome adventures. It was super fun. <laughs> and we're in the car. I remember we're in the car. Scott and I are in the back seat. And Terry and Chris, they start like nervous giggling. And then they're like, so we have a, this is Terry. So we have like a, a dream. We have a thought. Yeah, Chris. So <laughs> just kidding. So we have a thought that because they had just started the church, and it was about a year old, I think. It was going really well. I don't know. Maybe it's not even that old. It was very new. I knew that. I know that. Um, but they, they have this dream that they feel like they want to start a school in 2020, and they want Scott and I to come help with the church and start me to start the school and Scott to help me start the school. And, Scott, I think we laughed at them. Like, I think we literally laughed at their faces. Like, you guys are crazy. I'm like, I got a son that's going to be a senior that year. I love my job here. Like, there's no way. I mean, I don't think, know that we were that, like, direct with you guys, but we were, like, inside, like, <laughs> And Scott and I talked later. Scott and I talked later, and I'm like, I love them, but what in the world? And he's like, there's no way we're doing that. Not for billions of dollars will we move back to <laughs> Georgia. And... Um, and now they're paying us billions. Yeah, right. Um, it was just love of that. But we were just like, I mean, we laughed at their face. We laughed behind their backs. Like, there was just laughing that was all happening at their expense. No, and we were so, like, we were so, we love them and, are, and, and have that lifelong connection that we'll always be friends with them. But, but honestly, it was just like the thought of coming back to the, a place that hurt us so much. I just couldn't, and I, you know, I'm walking in forgiveness. I don't have ill feelings. I'm not, like, bitter, but I'm just, like, that is too much for me to think about doing, to be back in a familiar setting. <sighs> I just will stay behind the Redwood Curtain and stay there. Um, and then the Lord just started, like, moving things into place where he was, he just hovering, those questions, asking those questions. We had my mom and Tom speaking into our life, and they're like, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Get behind us, Satan. Like, all of you guys, all of you are crazy. Um, and just, yeah, Randy and just all these people. And just, just slowly, I think it took maybe a year and a half 
Um, and then doors started sh shutting where it was just very apparent that we, were, we could no longer be in the same place we were. Like, we couldn't stay where we were, but we didn't know where we were going. And so we started to have to kind of confront those areas of fear in our life, those what-ifs, those not never-agains, those ah. Uh, and when hell freezes over, you know, Jesus went to hell and got the keys. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of of tricky situations, um, and he knows how to make them triumphant. So he just kind of kept kept speaking to us, um, and then Chris and Terry kept calling us, and, oh, come on, you guys. Come on, you guys. Um, but it was just an, uh, it's just more of that surrendering that fear and starting to understand what it looks like. Because, honestly, before I, would, before I looked at it, because I think there's, okay, so there's a lot of times we don't look at things that we don't want to look at, right? We don't think about things we don't want to think about. We don't, we don't, we just don't go there. We just, it's like that part of our house that's not clean, and maybe it's like a closet, and you just don't ever open that door. You're like, I'm fine with those games and all that stuff being in there. Like, I don't really, I don't need anything out of there. I'm fine. Because if I open the door, then I'm going to have a whole lot more responsibility, right? And so those areas of our life that we just didn't want to look at, once I opened it, once we looked at it, I started understanding, like, okay, this is where fear ends, and this is where my heart begins, and this is where I can invite Jesus into showing me the truth. Um, I can surrender the fear and invite perspective. Because if we don't have good perspective, then we're not going to be able to see clearly. Um, and a lot of the things, like, I absolutely love Georgia, but it's that... It's, it's that thing inside me that made me afraid to come back. And so sometimes we throw things out that we love, that we're passionate about, that we um, are called to because we don't want to face the fear of the unknown or the fear of getting hurt again. Scott tells a really interesting story about a study he did on telemarketing. And, you know, probably in my parents' days, telemarketers began, I would think, right? And... Um, there was a study that was done, it's a genetic study, but it's basically things that get passed genetically. Genetics really interests me a lot, um, even though I'm not scientist, scientific or into that, but genetics specifically are very interesting to me. So they did this study basically where tel they, telemarketers, um, you know, they used to call this generation and they started hating telemarketers, okay? All of you probably over, you know, I don't know, 50 started hating telemarketers, right? I understand it. It's, it's crazy. You know, they call you, you're at home. I, I was trying to think of today what, what, you know, what the first person that got a marketing call felt like. Like, oh, this is so interesting. Like, I've never gotten this before. Like, oh, what do you want? You know, so you, in the beginning, it was probably like, oh, okay, I'll give you five, ten minutes of my time. Sure. I, nice to have a phone call, you know? Like, awesome. Well, eventually, that got really old, People stopped liking that. Sorry if you're a telemarketer. I, I see you and I give you value. I'm not coming against any specific work or anything here, but, you know, it can be hard. So what happened was is that genetically they, the, the study was done with people that had never had a telemarketing kids. Yeah. And so kids, happy kids, oh, la, 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 la. They get a call. It's a telemarketing call in the study. And all of a sudden, they react with anger, with suspicion, with, with, you know, well, what, why? Why is that happening? 
it's been genetically passed down to dislike telemarketers. You have a prejudice against telemarketers based on whether maybe your family had a good experience or a bad experience. Um, and so I say that because sometimes we have things that we are carrying that are just responses. They, we just respond and we, it, <laughs> well, I mean, telemarketers, that's a funny example, but we respond to things sometimes based on family history, sometimes based on genetics, sometimes based on things that have happened to us in the past. And we are, we are set up to avoid those things just internally. It's a, it's a protectant. It's, we protect ourselves in a way that goes, I don't want to feel that again. Um, you know, for me, like, forgiveness is a really big deal. Like, I choose to forgive. I know it's a choice. But... There's not a cell in my body that will let me forget the things that I had to forgive. Anybody like that where you're just like, yeah, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget that. Um, yeah, thank you for being honest. I love that. Maybe it's just me, but I, my body, I protect myself from being in same situations that were painful. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be run out of town with pitchforks and all that. You know, like, I don't, that's not, like, what I'm going for. So I try to set up my life in a way that's, like, easy. But Jesus doesn't call us to the easy path, does he? And he's not afraid to go, okay, let's, let's go revisit that subject. Why do you hate telemarketers? Let's talk about this. Why do you, why, do you really, I remember him saying that, do you really not like Georgia? Or do you, did you get hurt there? Because there's a difference. Dang it, Lord. So we set ourselves up to not feel pain. But God's not afraid of pain. So it's this, it's this amazing contradiction, isn't it? That he calls us to walk the way he, he walked. He called us to love the way he loved. You know, the disciples... They would go and they'd preach. They'd get thrown in jail. They'd get th stones thrown at them. And then the very next day, they're out preaching to the same people who just did that to them. That's crazy. And I don't know, like, in this generation, how much we understand what, what his love looks like, what surrender looks like, what walking through pain looks like. Because most of the time, we're afraid to even talk about it. I don't want to give... I don't want to give glory to the devil. If I say it out loud, then it's going to be real. You name it, claim it, all this stuff. Like, you know, I talked to a student. I have, I have severe migraines, and I have um, a, a neurological disease that causes me pain that I've had to learn how to walk with in the last nine years. And that's been a part of me navigating learning how to accept pain, not not that, it, not that Jesus didn't pay for it. I'm ready for healing at any time. <laughs> Anytime, I'm available. Um, but I also have learned how to acknowledge and factor into my life. Um, because if I don't, then I'm not going to be very successful. Um, but I remember talking to a student who, she, wouldn't say, she didn't want anybody to know that she was in pain. She had really bad migraines. She had some other stuff. And she's like, I just don't, you know, I'm like, what's going on with you? She'd missed some school and. She's like, I, I just don't want to say. And I'm like, I don't want to give it power. And I don't want to, you know. And I'm like, tell me what's going on. Like, let's just talk about it, please. And she's like, oh, I just have this, this going on, and I'm in pain. And I, 
sensitive to light and I'm having a hard time being at school because the lights and different stuff. And I totally understand that. And I'm like, you know, it, it doesn't change anything um, about your condition to say it out loud, but it does bring a whole lot more support for people to know what you're going through. Like you being honest doesn't, doesn't make it any more real than whether if you keep it inside. And we have such a pressure to like, don't be honest about your pain. Like Jesus never said, don't be honest about your pain. In fact, he said to people, what is, what is wrong with you? Tell me what's going on in your life, right? He didn't want people to mask or hide or stay. I mean, that's just, that's just the church adding shame to people that need help. So let's not do that. God's not afraid of pain. All right. I went on my soapbox. So as he's just, he's just so been showing me just how beautiful it is to be authentic with the Lord and with other people. And that those areas that we've just been so scared to let go of because we don't want to get hurt again, that he actually is just, he wants to make that a strength. He wants to make that a beautiful, beautiful place. And I love that. Um, and when we can do that, when we can let him into those areas, we get to see more of our identity in him. Um, because when we can't, uh, when we don't want to look at things, they're still affecting us. They're still making decisions for us. They're still influencing who we love instead of being free to love. Um, and it's, it's really when we can surrender those things and ask why are we making these choices that God can become a, our ultimate identity. Jesus wants to be your identity. So if you had a place that you struggled, that you lost, that you were humiliated, that you were shamed, it's just an invitation into more of, of the Father's identity. Um, oftentimes, I think that God sits right in the middle of our pain and says, come here, I want to give you an upgrade. Come right in here, because I'm not afraid of this. Let's make this a beautiful place. And I got to experience that, not only in my own life, but just in so many people's stories and lives and walking with them. And, and you know, the, some of them, some people, you know, weren't able to navigate through that. They weren't, they weren't ready. They didn't choose to. But the people that would, I, it was such an honor to see the upgrades that they've got and that, you know, the leaders that they are and the, um, how much, they're, they're just not even the same people. <laughs> they're just not even the same people. It's so beautiful. Banning was with us um, this week in Surge School. We, if you don't know, we have a school of ministry here called Surge. And it's been a lot of fun this year. We've had a great time getting to know people and getting equipped and all that stuff. But we had Banning last week. And somebody asked him a question. I think it was Raul. Asked him a question about, like, what do you do to get through difficult times? You know, like, tell me, tell me your secret, you know. Uh, what, what does, you know, and probably, I don't know what you expected, if you expected him to be like, oh, I declare these verses, or I have these mentors, or I don't know. I do ch Christian calisthenics or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, and all, you know, worship and all that stuff is really, really amazing. Um, and standing and 
persevering, all that stuff, super important. But the thing that he said to our, our class, I just loved, and it is so true about Banning, because we've met with Banning so many times, and he is just like a brick to the head when you need advice. It's very impactful. Um, <laughs> but this is what he said. This is what he said. And Banning, Banning Leapshire is the, he's the one that started Jesus Culture Church, and they've done, we, we Scott used to travel with them, and Anyway, we've known him for, I've known him for like 22 years. But he said this. He said, I don't allow myself to feel sorry for myself. I don't allow myself to sit in self-pity and to sit and feel sorry for myself. Um, He said, I cry. I give it to the Lord. You know, he's talking about crying in the shower. (laughs) That was a lot. He mentioned that several times, didn't he, In in our short little talk. But he doesn't let himself feel sorry for himself. And he said, "There's a call. The call of God is too good. Is too big on my life for me to stop and just sit in my self pity." And I know that for a fact because anytime we would meet with him, he would be like, "Stop feeling sorry for yourself." The call of God. He'd say the exact same thing. The call of God is too big on your life to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> Banning, can you can you please feel sorry for me a little bit? Like I'm going through a hard time. He's like, "Get over it. Keep moving forward." So it didn't work out for you. Try again. Like, and we need people like that in our life um, because otherwise we'll just allow ourselves, we'll give ourselves permission to not move forward in areas of pain, right? Um, it might, you know, my parents the same way. Like, I, we'd call them. We'd have fears of, first of all, we ask their opinion, which gives them permission to speak into our lives. Um, and they'll be like, yes, we think you should move. Chris and Terry's church, blah, 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 blah. Like a year and a half of blahs. Or, or, they, or we wouldn't be mentioning it, and they just bring it up. So what are you thinking about uh, resurgent church? I'm not thinking about it. Not thinking about it. But, um, you know, we would, we would say, well, what about this? What happens if this happens? What happens if you remember when that happened to us? That was a very real experience. We walked through, and it's truth, truly happened. And they're like, well, that's fine, but just keep going. You know, you guys got to trust God. I'm like, I don't want to hear about trust God, blah, 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 blah. But having mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and people that are walking with you that can see the redemptive plan of God on your life, like Chris and Terry, the redemptive plan of God that he had for us was so, so crucial for us to be able to go, okay, let's talk about it, Lord. Um, So surround yourself with mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters who will speak truth and who aren't going to be so worried about about, uh, you staying in your area of pain, but push you out of that, not let you feel sorry for yourself. It's so important. Um, You know, I, I I would sometimes let the critic Sometimes we let the critics be the loudest voice in our, our head when God's giving us the yes. Well, what's this person going to think? What are they going to think? I don't want to go there and have this, you know, this set or this drama or blah, blah, blah. And you balance that out by just saying, I'm, I'm not going to even listen. I don't really care. Like, I'm just going to listen to God's yes. I'm just going to listen to the brothers and sisters and the mothers and the fathers and the sons and daughters who are saying, I believe that God is for you. I believe that God can make this a, a, a place of strength. I, can, I believe that he's going to um, do something good. And this isn't just about moving. This is about any area in your life that you're like, I just don't, 
I just don't see it. You know, sometimes I can't remember how many times in ministry we've said, we're done. I'm, or I'm never going to speak again. Scott's come home. I'm never going to speak again. You know, we're youth pastoring, and the kids are just mocking you publicly, um, <laughs> laughing, throwing spit wads. Like, you're just, you come home, and you go, what, what is the point of this? Like, this is, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> you know? And we just encourage each other. Like, yes, you are going to do it again, and you're great, and you're amazing, and you, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Keep going. Have a bigger vision than the pain of today. Um, because you're going to fall down. And if you're afraid, you know, you look at, you look at kids. Because God made, he made us to mirror heaven. And, and you look at children and they start walking. And if they stopped walking just because they fell down and they never got back up again, we would just be a bunch of, what is that movie, Wallies, where they're on the, the little... You know, wheelchairs, motorized chairs, that would be us because we're so afraid of having a bump on our head. Or I mean, my kids would have, Judah would have bruises. He had a big noggin anyway. But he just had, like, bruises all over his head because he'd bang, run into the wall, bang, run into the chair. He, I mean, and he started walking at seven months. So he, it's just crazy. It was crazy. So we have to, we have to look at how God made us and understand that the spirit is the same the spirit we're called the same so if we're if in the flesh we get up and we fall down and we have to get up again fall down get up again it's the same in the spirit and it doesn't just happen overnight we got to get out of this microwave mentality um revelations 12:11 but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not life, love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This is, this is the glorious church that he's talking about. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. Revelation 12, 11. But they overcame him. They're talking about. The, the spirit of the age, they're talking about Satan, they're talking about all this stuff. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. So you're redeemed, you're whole, you're united with the Trinity. Everything is, everything is good for you because of the blood of the lamb, yeah? And by the word of their testimony, so they remembered who God was, they, they remember who he was, what he's doing on the earth, their, their encouragement, they're encouraging each other. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. To me, that is what God is wanting to restore in the church today. That we wouldn't be so afraid of losing or pain or, or being even mocked, humiliated, um, that we would be afraid to lay down our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's figuratively and literally. Um, I, I, our, I feel like our current Christian culture is living in entitlement and calling it faith. We think that Jesus came here to give us every whim, every joy, every happiness. While, and that is a part of our 
our world, and I think God like wants us to be happy, and he wants us to love our families, and he wants us to love each other. Absolutely, absolutely. But when something doesn't go our way, we didn't get the job. We didn't get the, the new car loan. We didn't get something, you know, something didn't happen the way we want it to happen. We don't know what to do with that. This generation, we just, we don't know how to handle disappointment. And I think we need to understand that Jesus didn't come to die on the cross so that you could have everything you wanted. He didn't. Our Savior bled and was beaten and broken for us to be united with him so that we'd have full access, so that we'd be restored. All of this beautiful salvation and all that separation gone, fully one with the Father, that we'd be able to be kings and queens rule and reign with him but that doesn't mean that he's gonna just have he has he's a little wand and he just grants every single whim and wish that we had in our heart we can't live in entitlement and call it faith we have to understand what it looks like to have ownership to have balance to navigate through things that are uncomfortable that are painful so the balance comes between when you, when you have God in your life, you have a relationship with him, you're obedient to him, you have an understanding of his scripture, and you have community. That's, to me, that is the, that is the thing that can, where understanding starts to flow. And so I really want to invite us into community. I really want us to, find, to invite us into not being afraid of, of having God come into those spaces those never-agains, those, those disappointments, because I really feel like the Lord has an amazing thing for the church in this season, for those that will, like, take that risk. I mean, I've been so blessed to be a part of Resurgent and how, you know, we just, we haven't stopped. We just keep going. We're not going to, you know, in a year where they're like, you shouldn't start businesses, you shouldn't start, you should, you know, fear, fear, fear. We're just like, no, nah, we'll start a school. No, nah, we'll grow as a church. Yeah, we'll keep going. Oh, we're, we're going to hug. We're going to see each other on Sundays and in home groups and everything else. We are not bowing to fear, right? Which I love that. I'm so thankful for it. But I think God is even, he's wanting to even invite us into, into more. And I know I've talked about dreams before and talked about what it looks like to to dream with God in this season, but I wanted to, to speak on this message because the thing that can kill dreams is this other side of that coin, all the things that didn't work out, all the things that could have been, all the fears, all the, you know, and, and I just feel like God's hovering on it. He's just like, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your why nots. Let's talk about when your hell freezes over areas of your life um, because balance looks like I have faith and I can walk in the the shadow of the valley of death and know that God's going to prepare a feast for me, even though when I don't see it, even, even if I can't, even if I can't smell the, the pot roast, I know it's coming. <laughs> right. Um, I just want to end with this story. It's about, uh, it's, it's about a man named Telemachus, Telemachus, Telemachus. St. Telemachus. That's a mouthful. Um, he, he lived in the 400s, um, and he was from Turkey or Egypt. They're not exactly sure. So this man, I don't know if you guys, 
know about gladiator fighting, you know, back in the day, Romans gladiator fighting, they said about uh, probably 400,000 people, it's hard to say because some people were, you know, slaves, some people were prisoners, but that fought. Um, but about 400,000 people at the time, I think it lasted 400 years, 500 years, um, died during that time, and a million animals um, because they would bring animals in, they'd fight animals, bears, all, you know, all kinds of animals, I guess. I don't know. This was culture. This was the culture at the time. This was entertainment. This would be sports. This would be football. Like, hey, let's go watch people kill themselves, kill each other. This is so great. So um, St. Telemachus, he wasn't a saint then. He was just a monk, and he lived, you know, in Egypt or Turkey, somewhere out, somewhere outside of uh, Rome. But he came there. Some people say he was there to celebrate Christmas. And this happened on January 1st, 404 A.D. Um, he lived a peaceful life. He had, you know, he was a monk. He took care of nature. Like, I don't know fully all of his story, but some certain elements. Um, and he came to Rome, and he, he was greatly disturbed about this gladiator arena um, and people dying. And so he felt like the Lord the Lord asked him to go. And so he went, and right when they started when they started fighting, he ran out into the middle of the arena and started just calling for people to stop, you know, stop in the name of Christ, stop in the name of Christ. Um, and he just kept going, and they stoned him to death in the middle of the arena. Um, and then as he was dying, one by one, people just got up and left the stadium, got up left the stadium, got up, left the stadium. Um, and then the, em the emperor, Honorius, after that, he, he was so convicted, he stopped. No more, uh, there was no more ever gladiator fights after that. I just, I, I, I look at that story, and I just am so inspired that there was somebody who was willing to lay his life down so that nobody else would die. And I wonder if today, if that's still, if he hadn't done that, would we still be, would we be, hey, Sunday afternoon, let's go, let's go down to the Colosseum and watch people kill them, kill each other. Like that, it was such a, a part of culture then that it was normalized, right? And because he was walking in sonship with Christ, it's, it's because he knew who he was, he, he trusted God to go down there and lay his life down because he had eternal, eternal viewpoint. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, he's hovering on these stories of the, these old saints and these old martyrs and these people that, you know, um, you know the Moravians who'd go to, you know, you guys know who the Moravians are? It's not far from here. They prayed for 100 years in North Carolina, Moravian Falls. They would send missionaries all over the world and they would, um, they would send them with their own caskets because they didn't want to have to burden anybody to bury them where they were going. Wow. Just the love of the gospel, the love of I'm not going to hold back based on fear. I'm not going to hold back based on I could get hurt or I could, there could be pain because I'm going to follow Jesus. And I just, I feel like that's such an uncomfortable message in the church today. 
Nobody wants to hear that message. But this is the message of the gospel, that we would lay our lives down and we would not love them so much that we would be afraid of death. And I feel like he's just shaking us up, like, stop being so afraid of getting hurt. If you have an eternal vision, if you have eternal mindset, if you understand what Christianity really is, what it really means to love Jesus fully, and that you will never die because we'll always be with him. And I'm not saying, hey, go get martyred. I'm not saying that. I don't want to be martyred. But I would hope that I would not love my life unto death if, if I was called into that situation. And, and that, that goes from martyrdom to just everyday life of I'm, I don't want to protect myself from getting hurt because I'm so afraid of walking through pain. Does that make sense? You guys are really quiet. We are way too comfortable, and we need to just, we just need to just invite Holy Spirit into those areas. Because even unto death, we just, oh, we're in heaven. Awesome. <laughs> this is great. This is not a bad place to be. Bill Johnson says, you can't threaten me with a good time. Can't threaten, heaven? Oh, you can't threaten me with a good time. That sounds really good. So let's pray. Um, Let's pray. And then if you need prayer afterwards, uh, why don't the prayer team come up, search team come up. Um, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have such amazing things for us. God, whether that's preaching, whether that's being your hands and feet, whether that's loving people in our workplace, whether that's um, raising the dead, healing the sick, Lord, every, every area that we are called to go, you come with us. And I pray that we would have an awareness of the reality of heaven, Lord, like, like, like we've never had before, Lord. Lift the veil of confusion. Lift the veil of, of pain that we see through so that we would radically follow you, Jesus. And I pray that you would shape the world through the lives in this room, Lord. Shape the lives through, shape, change the world through this church, God. That we would love like you love. Jesus, that you demonstrated so beautifully how to walk as the Father walked, how to love people that, that maybe even hurt you, rejected you, God, because you are so good. Just help us, Lord, understand how to let things go, how, how to not be afraid, how to walk in obedience. Get us out of our comfort zone, Lord. In a comfortable world, get us out of our comfort zone. I just ask that, Lord, you would hover on the areas that need to be surrendered. Because you see greatness in every single person. You have a place of of, um, double portion for every single person. But we have to lay down our lives, Lord, to live. And I pray that you would help us understand how to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill each person here with your love, with your acceptance, with your, with your presence, that you would guide them, that they would know you and be fully known by you. And that we bless them in Jesus' name.